0: wow the radio this is big um we are the ballroom thieves uh my name is martin early
1: i'm callie peters
0: and we live in maine but we're currently in bristol rhode island
1: we play music the whole point of our existence is to push against it here's a song about i don't know stealing something from a department store and the boy i like I was born in the right country Where we choke on the smoke of wildfires past We the counterfeit heirs to the wide and weeping edge of the world We are long past the day
2: Again, friends, you're tuned into The Show on the Road, my music discovery podcast where I, your friendly audio park ranger Zach Lupiton, guides you through what I think is a syndicated reverie of sorts, or what I think are the most scenic sounds sliding into our collective consciousness right now. And this week, I bring you my talk with Martin and Callie, the newly engaged multi-instrumentalist forces behind the avant-folk experimenters, the Ballroom Thieves.
1: All in our rags and rising. rising.
2: How's everybody feeling? Well, I just went through one of the worst Julys I've ever experienced. If you follow my group Dust Bowl Revival, you may have seen that I caught that dirty Delta variant. Yes, I am vaccinated, and to be honest, it still crushed me for about a week or so. And I want to thank everybody for listening to our Lake Street Dive episode. It is one of the most listened to so far. And you may have noticed there was no episode last week, because last week, I literally couldn't swallow without crying out. This is no joke, folks. Please get vaccinated so it doesn't send you to the hospital or the great beyond. Your families and your friends and your favorite bands, they need you. I'll tell you it's also no joke. That record, Unlovely, that the Ballroom Thieves made last year, man, it is a spiky, brash, brassy lost gem of a record. And like so many magnum opuses that came out in the winter of 2020, it got buried and could not be properly promoted. But here I am, your humbled audio astronaut, telling you, if you want to trip into the outer limits of modern folk music, a fired-up jet of colliding sounds that will bring you way more pleasure than that phallic Bezos space ween could ever bring you, do yourself a favor, block off your afternoon, do what I did last week and blow up the kiddie pool with an air mattress pump if you have it fire up the hose hyperventilate until that spangled donut inner tube is firm and float away with the ballroom thieves a little while as I was banished to the couch bed in the heat of my feverish sickness I put this record on and I felt like I could point a nail into the flab of the establishment I could feel my grin growing as the world was ending around me at one point my wife said that I was so sick that I was hallucinating that we had a second dog that I was taking care of Her name was Angel, I think. Anyway, music got me through as medicine once again. And I was glad I could finally meet Callie and Martin over the internet. And you know what? They're going through their own pandemic loss and rebirth. And they're working on new music. And I'm pretty excited about it. And I'll tell you all about it right after this message. The Show on the Road is brought to you by Nobody. Indeed, we are not a corporate-sponsored podcast. We are homegrown. And you can spread the word by telling your friends about the show and leaving us a kind review on iTunes. It really helps. Also, you can donate at Dust Bowl Revival on Venmo and you could tell your friends where the band is coming up. We are going to the East Coast. Indeed, we are playing Appaloosa Fest August 14th in Virginia, then going down to Carborough, North Carolina on the Monday. And we'll be playing in Asheville, North Carolina, too. Also in Atlanta and Nashville and finishing up at the Philadelphia Folk Fest. It's been crazy not playing on the road this summer, so this is your rare chance to see us in action. Please check it out, dustbowlrevival.com for more. That's enough for me. Here they are now, the wonderful Martin and Callie of the Ballroom Thieves.
1: You will learn this.
2: I just finally dove into Unlovely in its entirety the last few days, and I am obsessed. (laughs) Aw, thank you. I appreciate it. As a jaded asshole of a touring musician (laughs) slash podcaster, um, I often, like, lose hope in humanity after hearing records that are sent to me or stuff that's like, oh, this is blowing up on the playlists. And... I want everyone I know to listen to this record immediately.
0: That means a lot because it was one of these, you know, like many records that came out right before the pandemic that we weren't really able to tour. So for us, it kind of uh, it's like the the lost record, you know, it just didn't really ever get get a chance to to shine. <laughs>
2: that opening track which you did with Darlingside uh, who I love they're old friends um, it feels like if Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young met up with Queen but like recorded as Wings that's my <laughs> feeling about it
1: it's perfect thank you
2: <laughs> that first track I feel like we could do the entire podcast about that opening track because there's what four yep.
0: tempos <laughs> I believe
2: we were worried about it a little bit because when, it, when we
0: were trying to you know pick out the the sequence of the of the album we were like all right this is the this is the first track it's the title track it's the one we wanted to start with but then the more we listened to it we are like is this going to just throw <laughs> everyone off that we're doing all these tempo changes and you know it's not exactly the song that starts in a groove and and you know keeps you there so
1: reading your mind land how another climbing up your they're running through your walls or don't they whisper you to asleep it's a lonely have to listen to you
2: as a trio you can kind of get stuck in these lanes right there's like the lumineers land there's you're stomping a bit on a bass drum and then having a sing along and then how many times can you do that over and over again? You would never dream that this is what the band looks like when you listen to this track. So is there was there a point where you're like we need to like try to go as big as possible?
0: We had made a bunch of records that were essentially folk records. And uh, we wanted something with horns and we wanted something with strings because we just wanted to kind of see where that would take us. And and uh, we had a bunch of time in the studio and it was, it was really fun to try to build something that was bigger than the footprint of the band. So, so yeah, I think uh, <laughs> there was that moment of like, all right, this is a lot. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, I, you know, as, a, as an exploration, it was really fun.
1: We, we tend to do like a lot of um, big three-part wall harmonies, where it's just like a mm-hmm. big O section and we all sing the same thing or we all power sing the chorus. I think that was not doing that again was an inspiration too. Um, I know we tried to not do that, and I don't know if we t- consciously tried to do something, but um, in not doing that, that song definitely emerged. Whatever that song is, is, is us not doing that three part wall harmony.
2: No offense, there's bands that are presented to you as like background music, like mm-hmm. really pleasant. Folk pop that you're like, yeah, ballroom thieves. I've seen them at various festivals. We actually played a festival with, with you not too long ago, I think in in D.C. at that uh, Kinfolk thing. I remember mm-hmm. watching yeah, it yeah. over there. And it's like, yeah, you know, the it's just another, you know, cute lady with a tr- cello, and I think they're married. You know, like, I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but again, whatever's happening on that Unlovely track, I have never heard before. Right, which makes me angry at myself for not diving in sooner. Right, this record's been out a year and a half. Yeah, and I've heard songs like uh, like Only Lonely off the Paper Crown EP. You know where you could feel the the rich harmony and the folk stuff, and I love all that. You're making dinner, you know. You want that on? It's a nice, you know. There's a fire in the corner. Uh, There's a fury and a energy on this new record that I think harnesses what we all went through in the last year and a half. And it's disgust. It's self-loathing. Totally. It's the idea that as woke and as aware as we all are, we literally aren't doing enough and are pathetically letting things continue as they are, Mm -hmm. you know, as the status quo. Um, And, you know, people like Bob Dylan and and folks in the 60s felt like they were making real statements about, like, war and uh, poverty, racism. And I think a lot of folk music now is afraid to do that 'Cause we're like, well, but we wanna be on the playlists right. <laughs> Yeah. To get <laughs> yeah. you know, right. that royalty yeah. stuff and mm-hmm. you know, so people can make their dinner and sit by the fire and listen to us without really thinking. Right. Yeah,
1: we're all kinda like swept up into the corporate trap. No one wants to talk about it.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: did you guys start playing music uh was it as kids or a little later on
1: i think we were both kids yeah i mean we we didn't start playing together until what eight years ago but
2: yeah
1: but i started playing cello when i was 10 and you started playing guitar when you were a kid too
0: yeah about like 13 or 14 i played drums before that um but yeah definitely Early on, it was, it's always yeah. been a part of our lives. Yep. Where are you guys from originally? I grew up in Europe in Switzerland, and then moved to Maine with my family.
1: And I grew up in Franklin, Massachusetts, and uh, moved to Boston. And oh my gosh, here's our dog. Sorry.
2: He's Ooh, whining What's his a name? Lot. Her name.
1: This, this is Bagel. He Bagel. He's a, a lot. He's a lot to say. Here he is. All right, it's you might hear dog. Sunny
2: barking in the background if the mailman comes because, <laughs> like all dogs, she yep. despises the mailman. Of course. Despise. <laughs> well, it's funny that song, uh, Tenebrist, is that how you say that? Yeah. yeah. The funny thing is that it actually reminds me of an ABBA song if they got really pissed off. (laughs) Which I'm not sure if ABBA was allowed to do that in Sweden. Yeah, the government would step in, you know. (laughs) But that song, again, has that repeated line, uh, what, we all muddy the water as artists, right? And cloaking things in metaphor and allegory instead of just saying what's really wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you wrestle with those two impulses as a songwriter? Yeah, that's a really tough one because
0: you you wanna comment on things and you wanna be, you wanna write something of substance, but you also don't wanna beat everyone over the head with it and you wanna be poetic at the same time. So you kinda have to figure out a way to say things in the right way and I'm not sure we always make the right choices on that front, but
1: yeah, I think we we simplify as we go. It seems every every album and every new song we get excited about, we are we're saying it all a little more um, directly. We're we're shrouding less.
0: It's like we're learning what we can get away with in a way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if we push it too far this time. We all muddy the water. Oh!
2: guys write together or come to the table with individual ideas that you then both? yeah. We, you know, we write
0: separately and then work together to try to figure things out. And we also, from time to time, write completely together at the same time. So.
2: Does it ever get competitive?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it, if, if it did, maybe only for me. Uh, Martin is such a great lyricist and I, uh, try my best. And he, he just has so much to say and effortlessly says it. And so if he writes a bunch of songs, I'll occasionally feel like, all right, all right. Yeah, I'll just give me a second. I'll just write one, see how it goes. So I guess that's a teeny dose of healthy competition, but maybe only on my side.
0: Yeah, I think I, I don't think we compete with each other, really. I think, I, you know, there's... There's competition among friendly competition with friends and, but yeah, not really internally.
1: No, we we really like working together. I think we end up liking those songs the best where we where it was an equal um, effort.
2: When you came into the band, obviously uh, you weren't married then. Um, We're not married. Was now. there? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, Our wedding was, uh, we had to cancel it last year, so we should be married, but still not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think between the two of us, it was weird initially. Like, when, before we knew that we were really going to pursue a relationship, there, you know, we were flirty and we were, you know.
1: But we turned it off all the time because we said, that's, we're not going to mess with the band. Right. We chose the band for two years, even though we kind of liked each other. But it really, it it didn't affect anything, because we just said no to it, Uh, individually. We didn't even talk about that. But then once we decided we we might want to try being together, that was pretty natural.
0: And at that point, we were also just like, what happens, happens. You know, these, the feelings were too strong to ignore. So it was like, well, if, you know, if this ends up being the wrong decision, then so be it, because... It felt right in the moment.
1: At that point, it was worth finding out.
2: Yeah, I think the record needed a soft moment in that song, Love is Easy. (laughs) You know, you're kind of like sticking a fork in a lot of different sockets throughout. And then there's like, you know what? Maybe you just need to find someone who understands you. (laughs) Yeah,
0: the love part is the easy part, even when the rest of the world is shit.
1: The world sucks, but you can have your person, at least. We can celebrate that. But <laughs> I'll
0: take my time till time takes me. I'll change my mind whenever I please. Believe me, I don't need to be more than alone. Darling, loving you
1: is such an
0: easy thing to do. It's such an easy thing to do. Show let me do it
2: is it hard to get vulnerable when you're writing about the person across the stage from you it's hard for me
0: in, initially like the hard part is sh- like sh- because because when these songs are written in the first place no one else can hear them so the hard part is showing Callie a song that's about her you know when it's just a vocal and an acoustic guitar because I don't, you know, what if it sucks and what if, (laughs) uh, yeah, what if she doesn't like it and so that part is harder than, you know, once it's recorded and once the rest of the band gets involved, then it, then it becomes a lot easier and, yeah, it's actually really nice to, to be on stage and sing a song and be looking at the person that the song is about. That's, that's not something that that many people get to do, so I don't take that for granted. That
1: is nice. It's like a secret.
2: Unless you have a really bad argument in the van. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, we're opening with this song, yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah. I you,
1: don't like you, but I love you.
0: Then you just get a really angry version of Love is Easy. Yeah. yeah. The hours keep their minutes, and the weeks still have their days. is all nothing never ever changes. We are needy deep in this avalanche we
2: made. The whole streaming infrastructure is so skewed towards a certain type of song, which you guys again do very well. But when I hear this new record and the various sonic mountains that you're climbing, it like kind of bums me out that a song like Bees, which is beautiful is so far beyond every other song in amount of listens it has you know yeah. and it keeps getting fed. Yeah. to people every day right totally. and it's just I think it's just you on guitar yeah. and vocal right? right it's like not even the rest of the band it's just right. like that's and you're like here it is 40 million times how about that
0: <laughs> that's been a it's been a trip because yeah we worked so hard we worked really hard trying to get the band to this place yeah. where we're well rehearsed and we sing together really nicely and and then this, the one song that's a solo song, is like that's the one that takes off on streaming. And in a way, you know, I can't complain about it because obviously it helps a lot and it gets our music, it gets the other songs in front of people by way of, of hearing that song on some playlist or something. But But yeah, it's a strange atmosphere out there.
1: We cannot figure out the streaming thing like you know what people want and why things work and why others don't we just we have no idea <laughs> i would i <laughs> we used to not care you know and now I, I we certainly don't write songs to figure it out but we we are curious and it's it's a puzzle
0: and the words she aches to hear pour through my canyon they're singing in the caverns of my
2: limbs.
0: So, no, I do my best to try to understand them. They only follow me like
2: vultures in the end. Well Again, this is a business. You know, you're touring hundreds of days a year. Uh, people don't really buy records in any large form anymore. So you kind of need something like bees or... Only lonely to happen to sustain this business and like you don't have a choice about what people hear that's the thing that bums me out right because you could be like hey top of the feed like like sort of featuring new record and they have this popular releases order right which buries your new record it's not even there yeah right You literally would have to go, hmm, let me just go way down here. I think there needs to be a conversation with these companies. I don't know who uh, can have those conversations. Spotify, are you listening? They're not. (laughs) Let people experience what the artist wants them to experience a bit more. Yeah, a
1: little control would be nice. A little control over our own uh, everything, our livelihood, our music.
0: What frustrates me, too, is that if you have that one song but it's on an older record yeah you know a lot of people just hear that one song they'll add it to a playlist and then that's it but then even right. the even the people that do the extra digging they'll go and listen to that record but they're not going right. to check out the new record because like you're saying it's buried you know way further down the pecking order even though it's the newest thing so yeah. it's it's a little frustrating because you know, we have this new stuff that we really want people to hear. But if you really love bees, then that new stuff might not be for you. So that's the hard yeah. part with, yeah, yeah, that algorithm.
1: We do play bees pretty much every show. Um, I love to hear it. <laughs> and and I, I do think people would request it if we didn't play it. Or they'd want it. Well, it's, it. It's loved.
2: 40 million, whatever. I mean, that's about as close to a... Quasi hit as we get in this sort of Americana roots world, yeah. right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so I think you just you just fucking go with it, yeah. you know. But um, I think at times there's songs that I'm embarrassed about. Yep.
1: Oh boy, You're I bad. absolutely have those.
2: And we get those. We
0: get those requested. You know, like the old songs that it, it's weird being in a band because yeah. because people get to know your band at a certain time. And then they feel this kind of ownership and connection to that one period in your band's history.
1: And it's like a year long.
0: And so no no matter how far you move on beyond that, they're still back there. And that's what they love about the band. So they'll yell out, you know, we have a song called Archers that's just, you know, it's kind of, at this point, one of these cringy songs where I'm like, man, I shouldn't have read Game of Thrones during this period in my life because I was writing all these weird you know, there's all this medieval imagery in there, and it's just like, okay, it's not really something I identify with anymore, but people people yell it out every single show.
2: And now archers, everyone.
0: <laughs> Whoa, I came in on Bended Knee. It wasn't hard to fall for me. You stood beneath a burning tree, in to rescue
2: Lee I actually while doing this podcast and we've done about a hundred episodes do you like featuring stuff from the entire catalog of a group if they've been around a while because I think it shows the progression it shows the songwriting evolution um, how would you say that your songwriting um, muscles have developed since uh, that first record
0: I think what I've been trying to do with lyrics at least I've been trying to simplify. I think I used to try, I used to think that a complicated song with a lot of words and a lot of images, that's the best type of song. And I definitely don't feel that way anymore as I've grown older. So I've, you know, I tried to simplify while still getting a, a good point across. So that's been kind of my big, the big effort has been to stay poetic, but don't try to be the smartest guy in the room and you know or at least definitely don't try to come off as that and uh yeah and then I think musically it's kind of it's similar where we we started with kind of I think what what every young band does it's like you know we want to do everything all of the time (laughs) we just want to do we want to put a little bit of this on there and a little bit of B3 and a little bit of, you know, Mellotron or whatever we want to put on every song to the point where like you kind of lose the song a little bit. So I think at this point, we're trying to pare down rather than build up.
1: We used to be, I think, afraid of like instrumental sections or, or just like a vamping section. And uh, I think... We now strive to be that band in the background a little bit. We have a lot mm-hmm. of um, very crashy recordings where things are we're, we're yelling and things are loud and bangy and and uh, I picture putting that music on at someone's house and then uh-huh. having them turn it down for those songs and then maybe turn it up for some of the, of the choir yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, and then just be like maybe a new band. And I don't want to be that band I want I want to be the band that I that I personally love to not not personally love to put on I don't want to put on man music I really don't want that but like we will put Gregory Allen Isaacoff on all the time yeah. because it is linear and it just sort of happens and it's so beautiful and you can turn it up and listen to it or you can turn it down and talk over it and have a great vibe in the room And so I think our songwriting is changing a little bit towards that. We're not afraid anymore of having a long, vampy section or some calm instrumentals. Uh, We don't feel the need to yell and sing at all moments in the song.
2: Well, you did a cover of uh, Bahamas, who's one of my all-time favorite artists. Um, Had him on the show a couple months ago. Um, And that Lost in the Light track, I think, is a perfect example of the chorus or the main juicy part is just... Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> And you're like, you don't need anything more than that. It's just some female voices going... Mm-hmm. And I think he is a great example of someone who clearly is gifted on guitar and he's got a very specific vocal style. Um, but he rarely puts anything on his vocal right it's super dry it's almost like he's telling you a secret into a voice memo on right. his phone yeah. you know and everything he does feels like it's him right it's not like trying to be someone else or trying to uh impress you it's just like right this is
1: me yeah
2: that's this is me and this is what i totally. have to yeah. say right, right. now these are the things that are pouring out
0: of me and I can't help but <laughs> like show them tea, yeah. You
1: let me hold your hand till I my
2: guys learn a cover to record or maybe to play live how do you guys decide what makes the cut
1: mm-hmm.
2: Oof. but the last thing we did
0: a you know we did a covers EP and the idea behind that was just we'll each pick what each of us will pick us pick a song that we really like and that we want to sing and then we'll record that cover <laughs> and you know I think if if one of us had picked like A Slayer song or something, then maybe we would have,
1: maybe we'll gotten
0: gotten a call from the label or something. But (laughs) maybe uh, not, guys. But yeah, it was kind of just pick a song that you've always really wanted to do. So
1: yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Like we just, if we love a song so much and we feel like we just we have to always sing when it comes on, maybe we should just cover it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Lost in the Light is one of those songs for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a security blanket like comes on in some playlist and you're like yep stop everything right away everything's everything's okay (laughs) and
1: I held my own still around your bones I said some awful things and i take them back
2: let's, uh, let's get weird and talk oh, we about uh, Begin Again. again. Oh. <laughs> That's, I think, where the, the Queen vibes come for me. You know, super nerdy harmony with heavy metal guitar <laughs> uh, and then you have... A bit of a Patty Smith moment and pterodactyl screaming. So let's talk about how that song got layered into this beautiful cake.
1: Well, let's see. How did we even begin?
0: Well, one of the one of the things that, you know, we in our other records, we had always had at least one or two just like pretty heavy songs that wouldn't necessarily be considered folk anymore. And uh People, I felt like people would expect that song on this record to be one that I sing lead on. And so I I remember originally, when we were working on the song, originally I was going to sing it. But then we were just like, you know what, it would be way cooler if Callie sings it. And, you know, that that kind of flips the script on what people are expecting from a song that's like that. And it's a weird one for sure. (laughs) But... Yeah, we we tried to have some fun with it. It's funny. We did some of the pterodactyl stuff and with the like swirly reverb and delay added to it, and we we do it live, and it's amazing to just watch people in the crowd be like,
1: "What is going on?" <laughs> the readiness is all I need, and I can back up pretty easy. So that's yeah, it's really fun. It's fun. It started off as like a. It's it's just kind of about like not me having having a hard time on tour because it's kind of overwhelming, as you know. And and then just feeling the need to do it anyway, and what what that might turn you into. And yeah, I mean, I had to do some pterodactyl screams about that.
0: There's also the this whole idea of not it, Callie didn't, doesn't sleep well on the road, and so there was this kind of almost Groundhog Day kind of vibe to when you don't sleep well and you're doing, you're traveling and you're on the road, the days start just feeling all the same, you know? And you're doing the same thing, you're playing another show and you get back to the hotel late at night and then you try to sleep and nothing happens. And then you wake up and you're like, I don't even know what time it is or where I am. And then you're forced to just, Get back in the van and start it all over again. Do it so, again. Yeah, that was kind of the idea.
1: But I still think I'm-
2: have a existential breakdown after the type of accident that you experienced in Wyoming. I mean, that was pretty scary. I remember reading about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was uh, just a pile up in the snow and, and you guys were running for your lives, basically, in the middle of the highway. Yeah. Which is pretty... It's like out of a movie. Yeah, it felt... It did
1: feel cinematic. We-
2: weirdly cinematic, yeah. yeah. It was like
0: one of the one of the trucks had livestock, so there were all these. It was you know a snowstorm. You couldn't see very far, but there were cows running around in the snow, because they had gotten out of this truck, and it was just like free at
2: last. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it was it was really scary, and it was really not you know not something I'd wish on anyone. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think you know it it paid a it played a role in Devin's decision to to leave the band because. I think a part in him saw all of that and then was just like this is you know, it's not worth it. Might not be I'm, worth it. I don't yeah. want to die for this, you know. So um I think that, you know, among other reasons, but but yeah, it's definitely left a lasting impression on us. We we're not comfortable passing eighteen wheelers and you know, in bad weather. It's yeah, it's still there with
2: us, so
1: we probably won't take that road again, honestly find another way to get get across that part of the country. At least not in the wintertime,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: The first run back, which we just did in the Northeast, we added a misguided <laughs> show in Connecticut just because we're like, well, the travel costs are so expensive. Let's add this on to help offset it. I'm sure our manager hates me mentioning this. Um, but we had to drive like around New York in a tropical storm, flash flood, basically. And we have a new guitar player, Steven, who had never really been on a run with us. And I was like, yeah, why don't you take this drive? (laughs) You know, in the minivan. (laughs) He's like, okay, man. He's like totally down for whatever. And there were like a few points where we like thought we were gonna like die. I mean, it was like very, very scary. And we've been on the road for 10 years. Right but like semi trucks hitting walls of water over the cars
0: yeah
2: going full speed like around new york and totally blacked out in the car like you couldn't see anything you oh, know God. and it was totally fine but i was like i look over at this guy and this is his first run with us and i'm like welcome bro this is going <laughs> to yeah. be a uh, the rest of your year. Yeah, <laughs> Good trial <job>. by fire. <laughs> I I get like kind of like like giddy while this stuff happens. Almost it like breaks up the boredom, but yeah. sometimes stuff happens like in Wyoming where people were not okay. Right. You know? And you've seen countless bands have accidents where yeah, it like forces them to reevaluate if it is worth it. And that's been the hardest thing I think on the other side of this pandemic is convincing side men, other folks who join our group that leaving their little local shows and their families is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I always try to be like, look, you know, you could play this random church in Riverside or you could play this great festival like, think how awesome this is, but like, getting there takes forever. Yeah, right. the know? in
1: between is so taxing, but the payoff is so huge for so but many. It's like people, if we, we want to do it.
2: this, it's like if you want to do this for real, this is what you do. Right. Unless right. you have some hit songs or something where you don't need to be out in the world, right. and then you, you
1: probably know? have done it.
2: Yeah, you, you probably did it didn't at skip it. Yeah. If you could throw your own music festival anywhere in the world, where would the location be? What would the site be? And who would be the first five artists that you would book? Dead or alive? Jesus. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> we need like an hour to talk. Oh my God. No, let's God. do this. Oh my God. Location.
0: Location, I'm thinking uh, Vinyl Haven, Maine.
1: Oh. Yeah. So you have to get there on a ferry.
0: It's an island. I like okay. that
1: you can't just
2: show up. Yeah. Or a helicopter. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Elon Musk. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Or Ja Rule. You know. It's like fire festival, but we'll do it right this time. We'll do time, it right. You know? Um,
1: Artists.
0: Dead or alive is...
1: Jesus. I mean, Freddie Mercury with Queen,
2: first of all. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Headliner. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm trying to just not I'm we'll trying to think about out. keep going. <laughs> I'm trying to think about being a responsible festival owner and like not Don't just picking things that I like, want but no, this what this the people a, will
2: want. This is about you, obviously. <laughs> this is a fantasy. It's bro. a fantasy. It's Don't be you. responsible. He's so
1: responsible he can't even like fantasize All
2: right, in well, a crazy way. Um, Tupac.
1: Great.
0: Definitely, it's gonna be an eclectic mm-hmm. mix.
2: Didn't see that coming. Yeah, I did yeah, not s- Who's the third artist?
1: Um, Tina, Tina Turner. Tina Turner. She's there.
0: Um, yeah. Gotta get like Ella or.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, go totally different direction.
2: We could have Ella and Louie as, like, a combined... Thank you actors. for that. Oh, yeah. Good, we'll, we'll do that. that good, good, good. Great.
1: Yeah. One more. Dust we-
2: Bowl revival, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's fine. We'll be, like, the warm-up, like, out in the parking lot. <laughs> Elton John.
1: Elton John, right.
2: could round it out, yeah.
1: Perfect. That's our fest. Yeah, I would, vinyl here. I would go there. Great.
0: Fire yeah. Fest North. Yeah. yeah. You're invited. Well, you're playing, so, you, you know. since we all came from a-
1: Why we take from our women, while we rape our women, do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women, time to heal our women, be real to our women. And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies that will hate the ladies that make the
2: babies. What's funny is that I ask some version of this question to a lot of bands, and I feel like Queen is literally the common denominator between every type of artist, no matter what genre they play.
0: Bowie's probably up there too, right? Like,
2: Not usually. Really?
0: Yeah, I guess Queen is for everyone.
1: That should be Queen's slogan. <laughs> should have been.
2: What is the new record that you're working on? So we,
0: we went to Nantucket for two weeks, and we've got a new band. Um, so our friend Ariel Bernstein, who has played and engineered and co-produced some of our old records. And he's done Front of House for us, too. He's kind of a guy with a bunch of hats. But he's playing drums for us now. And uh, Callie's old bandmate from her previous project, uh, John Nolan, he's joining in on guitars and, and some synths. And so we went to Nantucket, and we recorded 10 songs in two weeks. And a lot of it was done live. And it's kind of... You know it's funny because you said you you really liked Unlovely and uh it's kind of the opposite of unlovely. So it's not there's not a lot of extra bells and whistles. There's no horns, there's no extra strings. A lot of it is just kind of what we can accomplish with four people in a room,
1: which is surprisingly uh wide, you know, with the synths and the the two guitarists and bass, and cello and and percussion yeah. and, and vocals, there's there's a lot there. A lot, of, a lot of weird sounds. So there's weirdness, and there's bigness, but and it's there's some folk. It's also...
0: There. One of the other things that, that we thought about Unlovely listening back to it now is that it's really all over the place. You know, like, there's not one... There's not really a, a genre that you could attach to it because there's, there's so many songs that span a bunch of different sides of the spectrum. So um, we tried to kind of focus in a little bit more with this one to try to, you know, bring all of the songs together a little bit.
1: I'm, sh- I'm not sure we could name that genre still. Like, I think it's still sort of, like, you know, floating in a few different zones. But, but I do think the songs fit together better than other albums. But that's just my opinion, and usually my opinion is somehow the opposite of everyone else's opinion when the songs actually come out. So we'll see.
2: Well... Again, I think that partially what makes you special is your ability to dip your collective toes into a lot of uh, musical places that most people would not venture to go, right? I mean, just the song uh, Home Run, for example, feels like a slam poetry recital from a musical theater kid who just did My Fair Lady. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> so that words, words, words. You know, you have a palpable fury in your delivery in this song.
1: I told you twice I don't plan nice This isn't fun What
2: I like about that record and your uh, songwriting perspective is the ability to be a little more fearless than most folks. And maybe, yes, it can be considered all over the place, but that's what American music is. Like, we are this... Bizarre tapestry of every type of music. When we give ourselves the permission to harness all of those influences, fucking magic results, you know. And I, maybe that song doesn't belong in any playlist, but it like it belongs in my head, <laughs> right?
1: Listening for permission. Done being the one.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's my favorite on that on that album
1: I told you twice I don't play now.
2: okay then. Big thanks to Martin and Callie of the Ballroom Thieves for chatting with me. You can go to ballroomthieves.com for their newest record, Unlovely. I'm obsessed if you can't tell already. And they're going to be playing live coming up, including the United Theater in Westerly, Rhode Island, August 27th, Great Waters Folk Fest in New Hampshire, August 28th, and more. So please check that out, and uh, we'll be seeing them at some festivals coming up too. If you head over to our friendly mothership, thebluegrasssituation.com, you'll see that back in January 2020, there was a really cool feature diving into this song we just listened to, Home Run. In their words, how do you put words to how powerful women are? How do you hinder what they learn, if they read, who they can become, or what they do with the organs in their bodies? It's a really cool piece. I urge you to check it out. And... uh, You may notice that some of your favorite bands or songwriters haven't been able to make a living for a long time, including this summer. Our band Dust Bowl Revival is going on a rare little tour this August, starting in Virginia, going down to North Carolina, Tennessee, and ending at the Philadelphia Folk Fest. August 22nd please check it out September's also going to have some really cool new shows including September 3rd at the Ogden Music Festival near Salt Lake City and September 18th we'll be playing the Mountain Soul Festival which is outside Santa Cruz and a new show just announced on the 19th at the Hot Monk Tavern in Novato and remember if you can't go see your favorite bands or artists you can buy their merch to support them. DustbowlRevival.com we have some really cool vinyl, t-shirts and more check it out as always, The Show on the Road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupiton, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. Stay safe, get vaccinated, and we'll see you on the trail.
0: It's getting harder not to see myself up in the cloud Ain't nobody ever mentioned anything that could save me